Welcome to the Jannie and Angie Show with January Donovan and Angela Schneiders. We have a dream to rebuild our church and restore the tender love of Christ to every human heart. We believe in women's irreplaceable role in rebuilding our church, our culture, and our domestic church. As St. Catherine of Siena reminds us, be who God meant you to be, and you will set the world on fire. It is time to rise and reclaim souls for Christ. We must deepen our formation as women and prepare ourselves to lead the new evangelization. Our vision in the Women's School is to build our church one woman's formation at a time, and only then will we set the world on fire for Christ. Welcome, ladies, to the Jannie and Angie Show. We are so thrilled to be with you as we embark on this new liturgical year, this beautiful season of Advent, as we prepare our hearts for the coming of our Lord. Jannie and I have been pondering the question um, that really is posed to us in the Second Commandment, um, to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And I think the deeper question then is, how do we love ourself? Is there a theology on how to love ourselves well? That that's you know it can seem to be a contradiction in the context of humility, of really understanding the true, the true um, again etymology of humility, which we talk about so often is humus, the rich, dark, fertile soil in which things grow, and so our capacity to love our neighbor is going to be in direct proportion to how we love ourselves which is a beautiful, beautiful interdependent relationship with our Lord. As we allow ourselves to be loved by him, our love for ourself and the mystery that we are will increase, which will directly impact our ability to love our neighbor. So we're going to unpack this because it could make your head spin a little bit. So Janie, such a gift to be with you and, uh, and beautiful baby Zig as well. Is, is it? Baby Zig is now seven weeks old. I know. Hello world. Miracle. Uh, so this has been, you know, this was interesting to me. I went to a baptism class for my um, seven, my, my, my eight-year-old. <laughs> I can't remember his age. And it was, you know, taking this class course and it was really kind of, it was, it was God really actually teaching me a lesson because you have to go every week. And I was thinking to myself, I just had a baby Lord. Like, do I go every week? Like I was really kind of pouting about it genuinely, but not trying to be negative, but I was in my breath kind of saying like, you know, why is it every week I have to go? I just have an infant and a 14 month old, but I went in and I said, I'm going to come here and I'm going to show up. I'm going to take notes because God wants me to show up in my highest and best self in here. Anyways, I was like sitting in theology class. I was like elevating because they were it was such a gift and it was really kind of like a reminder of God saying, Junior, you know, get off your high horse, like you need work. So anyways, I found myself taking notes and the two scriptures she put up that jumped out to me was be perfect as your heavenly father's perfect. At which is what we talk about in the woman's school is perfect means a seal, which means whole and to mature. And the second one was the second commandment to love yourself as your neighbor. And so it like popped out to me. Like it never did before, as scripture does in different seasons in our life. And I raised my hand and I was like, <laughs> so how do we love ourselves? Like it was like, it is, it's like hundreds of moms out there. I'm like, 
So you're telling me that I can't love my my neighbor if I don't love myself, and that's actually in the second commandment. I mean, I was literally like almost like fell out of my chair as though I haven't read this since I was in like whatever third, second, first grade, and and I there was I was sitting next to a philosophy um, professor, and I said, "Is there even theology or formation and self love?" What does that look like practically apart from self-care? Because when we think self-love, like you said, it's the automatic assumption for my subconscious conditioning, that wire, 95% of our brain is selfish, it's vain, it's prideful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd love to even hear what the, you know, kind of what your ladies think when you think self-love, love yourself, like from the commandment, there's love yourself. Because remember, even Jenny, I think even the, the phrase self-care can have a very negative connotation oh, yeah. in a lot of circles or even like, cause people to kind of like turn up their nose a little bit. And even that we have to reclaim that word, what is self-care? Um, because that word can have a negative connotation even to a certain degree. Yeah. Right? And I think it's probably like most things it's been usurped in a sense that when you think self-love, you think indulgent love, right. not ordered love. Uh, and that's probably where the subconscious kind of repulsion comes from for both for myself, you know, like, um, you can't ever love yourself. You can never do anything for yourself mm-hmm. to put yourself at some degree first is selfish. Like, you know, it's kind of like when you go to the airplane and they say, put your mask on first before your child. And you're like, no, I put my ch- mask on for my child. And, you know, in the woman's school, how do you, how do you give sustainably? when you haven't honored who you are and the things that are necessary for you to to give sustainably he's looking at me like i have i love this um so i guess the question then Ange, you know is that what does self-love look like yeah practically like and, and let me just even this is really fascinating i i just want to honor my incredible sister-in-law who is um fellow alumna from franciscan she's uh has her undergrad and master's from franciscan has studied counseling and works specifically with women who um are battling eating disorders and body image issues etc which um she would say is 95 percent of women have some type of a distorted body image um and so we were just talking about, again, with, you know, obviously with baby Catherine being 10 months now, um, the, the proper time to start her uh, ordering, proper ordering of her self body image is, you know, was in the womb, is now. But as Em and I were having this conversation over Thanksgiving, my ability to role model for baby Catherine is critical. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can bless her. I can bless her body. I can say she is a good, good gift, but her ability to believe me, especially as she gets older, will be in direct relation to how I talk about myself and speak about my own body. So that's why it's so critical that she sees me loving and reverencing my body and speaking of my body as a good gift. What is my language? How do I, you know, all of my self-talk, mm-hmm. that's actually what she's mirroring. And that's what is my, if if I love and reverence the mystery that is my body and and truly exhibit that when I go to praise her and and honor her as a good, good gift, that will, she will believe me. So that's really critical. So how do we get to that point, Jannie, of, I, I think this is critical. Is there, is there, what is the practical formation? What's the practical application, um, in practice of how I foster and ordered, Mm -hmm. 
self-love. Yeah. It's so, I mean, it's a multifaceted question that would require us, I think a whole entire year, years, years. And, but I just, and we can chip away on it, but so I think it's breaking my own mindset in a sense that self-love is a prerequisite to loving other people. Like that's to me, it's actually so, I don't know why that's so profound to me that my capacity to love Ryan, my children, you, my friends, my, my mother-in-law, my sister, everyone around me has everything to do with how I honor and love who I am in the most ordered way. Yes. That the second commandment is prerequisite of our neighbor is self-love. And that self-love is not the end in itself. It's the means to be able to love the people around us. Like I think, because when you think of personal development, we think self-love, indulgent, meaning me, we think of our culture, but like most things, a distorted truth, but yet it's, it's a huge, um, what is it called? It's a huge uh, miss or um, oversight information. Right. right. So again, it, again, it just, this is, this is so profound, Jenny, because again, if, uh, you know, going back to our Vatican II documents, right? Christ reveals man to himself and makes his supreme calling clear. So there's a direct correlation with my ability to allow myself to be loved because Christ unveils, unveils the mystery that I am. But simultaneously, how do I put myself in that position of receptivity to allow myself to be loved? That in and of itself requires an element of stewardship and yeah. self healthy self-possession. Yeah. Which again comes back to our basic human formation of, of my routines, my rituals, my, my management, um, so that I am free. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and that's why, you know, I remember my, my um, spiritual director basically saying it's, it's like a circle, you know, God gives and you receive and um, you, you open yourself to our Lord. It's sort of this beautiful, you know, sort of union, but taking that further step what that looks like is I can't even enter into that union if I'm stressed, if I'm worried about money, if I'm worried about my body, if I'm worried about what people think of me, if I don't have boundaries, if I don't have decision-making skill, if I don't know how to dream, like all of that intimacy mm-hmm. is a prerequisite of discipline. And so what I find when I was doing this is that, you know, you go to all the training and you go to, it's like, you got to love your neighbor. You got to love Jesus. You got to, you know, and all that is great, but I need a precursor to be able to maximize my capacity to actually live it fully because otherwise I can do it sort of in a uh, kind of in a, um, I don't know, not, it's not really surface because I think we can will ourselves to love Mm -hmm. the other, but sustainably without compromising our capacity to be peaceful, Mm -hmm. you know, and in translation, um, buckle it up, suck it up. That's how you love somebody, offer it up. Is good if it's from a place of generosity. Right. But if it's becoming from a place of resentment, it's not sustainable. When I mean sustainable, I mean, you're building anger, you create a war internally, (laughs) you create a monster inside of you. So um, I don't know, I don't know where we get that information, even in our church right now, to be able to say, how do I love myself? 
I mean, exactly. do you have, I mean, do you have knowledge of that? This is actually what I asked the, the theologian next to me and the professor. Right. Well, I, like I said, that, and this is the, this is like almost like a chicken or the egg, right? This is the beautiful circle because I know when I was right in the midst of the heart of, of my, you know, healing journey, my spiritual director gave me a meditation by St. Elizabeth of the Trinity that she had actually written <laughs> to her mother superior called let yourself be loved. Mm. So I think again, this is, this is that beautiful dance and that tension that we actually have to, through our human formation, put ourselves in a position of receptivity mm -hmm. to allow ourselves to be loved by God and gazed upon so that we learn how to love and we're actually filled with a supernatural love for ourselves and for our neighbor. But again, that all has to come from the reservoir of our hearts. So this is what's so like this beautiful tension. And so even looking at like, I'm gazing upon baby Zig right now as he is in your arms and like, he is just being, you know, you literally, you've, you've just nursed him. You are holding him. You are kissing him. You are gazing upon him. I mean, he is just being enveloped in your embrace and in your love. I mean, just your very presence, your gaze is, is an affirmation of his goodness. So in a sense, we all should have been receiving this in the womb and in our earliest years that we are lovable, that we are being loved, God willing, by our parents and those closest to us. But again, if that wasn't there or wasn't there to the fullest degree that our Lord designed due to fallen humanity and, you know, original sin and all those other things, um, if we're chasing that, if we're even chasing that basic human formation to put ourselves in that position of receptivity, no wonder our world is hurting so much. How could, how could we possibly love our, love our neighbor when we're literally at an in, living in the midst of a civil war internally? Yeah. And I think which born a disordered kind of love. Very distorted. Yeah. Because then we still desire to love, which is to will to go to the other. But if it's coming from an empty bank because we lack the formation or we never received that gaze or love, then we're still trying to love, but from a disordered way, which hence where we are right now in our culture. From an, from an empty love tank. Yeah. Or, so or a partially full love tank. And as we know, two partially full love tanks don't equal a whole. Yes. Right. And, and, and so, so you can see how this, you know, we talk a lot in, in the woman's school and in the man's school, which is launching right now, which is so exciting um, about, you know, what happens when we, we start hustling for our worthiness, we fall into the poisonous peas, we please, we perfect, we perform, we produce, we pretend, and we can see now how that can start at an early age. If, if those around us, if they've never learned yeah. how to properly self-love, how can they love us to the fullest extent? Which then goes back to our conversation of, I'm, you know, I could be sitting next to my daughter and you tell her you're beautiful, you're, you know, you're loved by God, God loves you. And I'm looking at my body, I'm like, I'm horrible. I am F-A-T, I'm so bad. Or, or you're saying, oh, look at that girl's outfit. Oh my gosh, she's so F-A-T, ugly. I can't stand her. Or did you see that? So it negates everything that we try to give to our child because it is not what we do, but it's who we are that gets actually absorbed, absorbed. Right? the formation is is that absorption and so we have to i think as women question our capacity to give to the next generation of women right that we're building which requires us to take responsibility for our own healing 
Yes. That's what we do, you know, really try to do in the women's school for ourselves to be able to receive the fullness of our Lord's love, but really ultimately so that we can do what we're commanded to do, which is to love our neighbor. Right. And this is why I think, you know, personal development gets a bad reputation and yet it's a partial truth of a necessary good in order to actually fulfill what God has asked of us in the commandment. I mean, it's so kind of, it's kind of massive. It is. And, and, and I think we see so clearly how, you know, the evil one, he can't create anything new. So what he does is he distorts. Yes. And so we see how the distortion that self-love is bad, self-love is selfish, it is, you know, disordered, et cetera, et cetera, how that's literally incapacitated us from loving our neighbor, which, which look at, look at the massive ripple effect across generations that's happened because of that. Yeah. I mean, that's massive because what I am hearing as a Catholic woman is the fear of self-love as an indulgent path towards vanity and pride. Right. And to me, that's why it's been breaking my mindset because the opposite could not be true in its ordered form, that it's actually a prerequisite for intimacy with God and love of neighbor. Right. And it it's kind of the pendulum sort of swings. So I think that's, I think that we want to be able to share here is to say, you know, most of the things that are out there that are, are, you know, the distortion probably came from some form of fullness of truth. Right. Right. And that's what we need to do is to redeem it. Right. And the redemption is so necessary. So this is what the work we do in the woman's school is really, you know, you, you can't, love something you don't know. It's a prerequisite for love. I remember sitting through my philosophy course and, and trying to wrap my mind around, you can't love something, you know, what do you mean? But really, you know, I can't love Joan that I don't know my neighbor. I mean, I can appreciate her, but to, to love, to love the good of the other, like I love you because I know you and I have knowledge of you. Exactly. Exactly. Right? So that then begs the conversation of the prerequisite of self-love in its ordered form is self-awareness, right. self-knowledge, which I think Thomas Aquinas talks about, St. John Neumann talks about. Um, and so now it's not just even self-awareness. Self-awareness is the first prison we fear ourselves from, but then from that awareness, there comes formation. Right. Right. Does that make right. sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, let me, let me just take this all the way back again to where we started, Janie, in this conversation of the other, the other passage uh, that you mentioned of be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect again, which we know is actually be whole, be mature, be integrated as your heavenly father is whole, mature, and integrated. And what I find fascinating that the mature Christian actually becomes childlike. Yes. Oh my gosh. Right? Okay. So, so let me just bring this full circle for those of you who have the Magnificat. This is what I was just pausing the meditation from December 1st from venerable mother, Mary Magdalene of Jesus in the Eucharist. I love this line here. She says, I only want to teach souls love that they concentrate very little on themselves. So we're going to come back to that, their misery and their faults that they should not be preoccupied with themselves. Again, we'll come back to this that they fix their attention on Jesus alone, on his goodness, his love, then I am sure that all their defects and sins will soon disappear because the fire of love will consume everything. 
So again, what I take away from this and her med meditation here is uh, what the childlike know, again, the fullness of our maturity in Christ is actually spiritual, becoming like sp spiritual children again, right? Is that we become in the school of love, in the gaze of love, we become what we love. So we become another Christ. So that's, again, I don't want to be preoccupied. You know, it's one thing I think as Catholics, we can get into this. I'm so miserable. I'm such a wretched sinner. You know, I am so defected. I'm so broken. But that's actually what she's saying not to do. Don't be preoccupied with that. Be preoccupied with Jesus because in his proximity, he will, his love will literally burn away those things and we will become more and more like him. Yeah. The first thing that comes into my mind is the freedom of failure. Total freedom to fall. Total freedom to fail. A child, like he's a little child. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you have a fourteen-month-old, you know, little Rock Thomas, and my little Catherine is just starting to begin that journey of trying to stand up and walk and crawl and everything. And like, so much a part of that process is falling, is failing, which was builds the muscles. Yeah. Yeah, and the fear of actually falling is exactly the pride we're getting preoccupied about us. Right. And, and because I think the mature woman is attached from the outcome because she's a supernatural perspective right. of knowing that is exactly what we do. We are loved by Heavenly Father and nothing can ever take that away. Even in my failure, even in my imperfection, even in my vanity, my pride, I cannot presume, obviously, you know, that I will go to heaven, but that deep awareness that I am loved. I'm loved. I am, I am loved. So I am not preoccupied about my imperfection yeah. as I am focused on my capacity to contribute. Therefore, now I am forming who I need to become in order to contribute my highest best self in spite of my imperfection. Exactly. In translation, um, you know, it looks a lot like, okay, I'm trying to, um, you know, create a school for the women and following my way through how to do it. But the failure, I can be detached from it and just say, what do you want, God? You know, and I'm just saying that's not always the case for me, but that's what it would look like for me to almost just be detached from the outcome all day long. Be detached from the outcome. And so, th and that's that beautiful tension we speak out as well. Like we're going to do our very best. We're going to put forth, we're going to, you know, so often our Lord just gives us that next clear step and that's walking in faith. That's walking in trust not trying to orchestrate outcome, but trying to be obedient and faithful to that next bold step, yeah. but allowing our Lord to dictate the outcome, which more often than not so far exceeds what we could ever hope or imagine. Yeah. Because that's so, that's so beautiful when you put it even in context, because let's just say we fail instead of beating ourselves with the failure, we're saying, Oh, what can I learn from this failure? And what's the next logical strategy to get up? Exactly. Because, because what, again, as you're encouraging, you know, little rock and I'm encouraging Catherine, when they fall down, we don't say, oh, bad job, terrible job. That was awful. We'll say, Good job. Keep going. Get out. Let's just like kiss, 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 get back up. Great job. You know, and, and, and isn't our father who is the ultimate parent, the ultimate encourager, isn't he doing the same thing when we fall? He kisses us. He, he hugs us. He caresses us and says, keep going. And I think it goes back again to the fact that we project our wound to the way our father loves us. Therefore, we project the way he loves and receive his love in fear yeah. and conditionally, right. which really becomes very 
simple to understand when you have a, you know, 10 month old, 12 month old, and they break a cup and you say, if they're trying so hard, you know, to hold that cup and they trip or they fall and it breaks, what are you going to do? I can't believe you, you 10 month old, you know, no, you say, oh, no problem. Just a cup. You hold a cup and I love you. For one split second, does that even make me feel like, what is wrong with you, 10-month-old child? No. If anything, literally, it, you know, I, that's what I, I'm so baffled by the love of the father that it wasn't in spite of our miseries and our brokenness that he came. It was precisely because, because of it. It actually makes us even more irresistible to him in the same way that, you know, little Catherine or little rock is going to break that uh, could break a cup. Like that actually literally compels me even more quickly to kneel down to them, to kiss them, to want to pick them up and, and yeah. encourage them and love them and say, just, it's okay. No problem. We'll fix that. Keep going. Keep going. Try. And, and yeah. um, so, cause it, what it looks like to me is that if we don't, we sit in our misery of a broken cup and we're like, Oh, I'm horrible. I can't believe I broke this cup. And the heavenly father's like, it's okay. No problem. Cup. Let's get back up. But right. let, you know, are you going to sit in that misery of your right. imperfection? Or are you going to say, what can I do to learn from this imperfection and just get back again, enjoy it in freedom, not even overthinking, right. you know, but learning from it, but not beating ourselves up because the cup is broken. I mean, gosh, what a source of pondering. What a source of humility, I think. That, that's actually a true humility because, and again, I think that this is something I've, I've heard in confession and just through my spiritual directors that. The hardest thing to do is actually to forgive ourself, right? Which actually comes from a false humility. It comes from pride. That, so again, like what's up is down, down is up. The world is saying bad self-love. You know, we need to, we need to focus on our misery and our wretchedness and our brokenness. No, no, Jesus is like, I'm not. Focus on me. I will melt all of that away. So he's not surprised. Why, why should we be? Yeah, because then in you know what the I, I'm always just trying to think what that looks like. It's like we, we beat ourselves in guilt. Oh, I can't believe I wasn't there for my child. And we sit in that, you know, guilt and shame and we miss the present moment. Right. We're robbed. And that's this is all we have is the grace of the present moment. His eternal now, his eternal love is just in this moment. Now it's in this moment. Now it's in, that's all we have is the gift of the present moment. This is where heaven meets earth. This is the eternal now that we're getting to live in. And that's why I think when we're thinking guilt, shame, and you're not in the present moment, you miss the graces. You miss the grace of that moment. Of that moment, which is the intimacy that our Lord longs for you at every God-given moment. I mean, it is so, even though it's many steps back, the importance of self-awareness that leads to self-love that leads for receptivity so that we become a reservoir, then the capacity to love our neighbor and to love our Lord. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like a prerequisite and we have to kind of reverse engineer it in a very practical way. Right. What intimacy looks like. Because right. isn't that what that, you know, it's that constant communication with our Lord, that intimacy. And I just love that word because it always brings me back to Jesus. That's the word, that's what the word means to me. Yes. It's, it's and, and, automatically that's what Jesus is and yes. it's so intimate you know and into me see intimacy into yeah. me oh, see. and you love me just as I am even though you see me yes and you see me as I am and 
And that's the greatest act of courage, right? To be seen as we truly are. Yeah. And talk about freedom. Therefore, we're no longer living in this downcast life, but the, the freedom that is available right. through that level of intimacy right. is so profound and is the gift. Right. Therefore, the work of human discipline yeah. is massive. And yet, even that work of human discipline all is grace. All is grace. It's a response to grace because he first loved us. Just like a father who's going to guide us every step of the way. Right. You know? So even the path to that and the destination, all is our Lord yes. walking us. And we were designed for it. Right. And that's where we, we you know, what does he say? He says, pray without ceasing. That's what makes that possible. That prayer isn't just my, my morning prayer, my evening prayer, my meditation, or when I'm at mass or when I'm praying the rosary, it's all day long. Yes. And free to the present moment to respond to the Holy Spirit, to be in that deep internal dialogue. And I just think that's our lady. I just go back to her constant mental prayer as one of her profound virtues. Yeah. Because it is then that she actually can accurately respond to the call of the moment because she's so intimately united with our Lord that her response comes from our Lord because she doesn't cease to pray. Therefore she becomes sort of this vessel and how she responds is almost like it's just a cylinder that goes through because it's a constant sort of opening of a conversation. Literally it's literally Christ living I mean, again it, it this sound we've heard this since we were children but it's taking a new flesh that it's literally christ living within us we become other christ in the world yeah so it's actually again that, that that's why you know saint paul says you know it's no longer i that live decrease and i i must decrease mm -hmm. that's not that's not self-deprecating that's actually just becoming who we were made to be as icons of christ in the world yeah and to experience that fully negates all the I don't know the you know what all the to experience that level of freedom you can't deny just the, that, the gift of what that looks like to just be so free because you know you're loved in your imperfection like that is such a profound gift that God avails for us right to live in that freedom of the gaze Yes. And literally that, that God contemplates Jesus in us. And that's baffling. And that like, literally God cannot be contained. So each of us are this totally unique reflection and manifestation of Christ and express a totally unique aspect of who God is. I mean, that's baffling. Yeah. So then, and then, and that, and that turns away to my, you know, we talk so, so often about the toxic seas, the competition, comparison and control and, and how that literally melts away when I begin to create and collaborate, but also then when I am seeking to find Christ in my neighbor. Yeah. 
So I'm on this perpetual, and that's what I think of St. Mother Teresa. She was on a perpetual quest, especially as she lived those 50 years in interior darkness where she could not feel the consolation of Christ. So she was in great haste and urgency seeking to see the face of Christ in the poorest of the poor. Mm. And, and that's our invitation, I think, in loving our neighbor is to seek the face of Christ in our neighbor. That, that you, Jannie, reflect Christ to me in a totally unique, unrepeatable, and precious way. That if, I, if I'm not present to encounter you, I miss Christ gazing back at me. Yeah. It's so simple, isn't it? And yet it's so- It's so simple. Profound and, and yeah, I mean, it requires probably decades of just even meditating on, on you know, all those relationships and capacities and right. the gift of that, you know, it's like that Trinitarian love that we're kind of talking about. That's what it right. is, you know? Um, and that's really kind of, it goes back to the massive work that we have to do Yes, to form who we need to become in order for us to actually receive the love that God has for us, which is really what we do in the woman's school. Right. Um, it's really an invitation yeah. for intimacy. It is. And that strikes me, Jenny, because I think about the work that we are so humbly invited into is the work of the restoration, right? And that in the garden, in the beginning, there was that ordered self-love because they were in right relationship with God themselves, others in nature. And so, so much of the work of the woman's school is that work of restoring our right relationship with ourself. Mm which enables right relationship with God, right relationship with our neighbor and right relationship with nature and the world around us. Yeah, it's really healing the disorder that is now permeating our culture, you know? And so it's, it's, it's massive work. And I think that we're just beginning, but this is such a great conversation, Ange. I just yeah. love our conversations because yeah. we're always thinking and going deeper and um, there's so much beauty and yeah has, has 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 almost like uh, is so much beauty in what he's already structured in our world how he's you know how he designed everything is like this perfect design yes the family the order the you know the trinity the recipe i mean it's just like this perfect design yes and he's thought of every little detail and we're just kind of discovering all these little details and it's right. just like wow god you are so massive and big <laughs> yes and I, think, I just think too Jenny, like how you know especially as we're approaching um several beautiful marian feast days um uh december 8th and december 12th and in this beautiful this is my favorite season season of advent the season of, of hopeful expectation for us to i think to really ponder with our lady um how do we allow ourselves to be loved? How do we love ourselves so that we are so preparing our hearts to receive the incarnation of Jesus mm. and then to bear witness and affirm the goodness and love our neighbor and those entrusted to us. So I think just that's a profound invitation for this, um, this Advent season. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, we can end with that because I think there's a lot here that I'm still learning and unpacking with you. So 
thank you so much for being in this journey with us as we truly um, uncover, you know, the, the role, the responsibility, the call of women in our culture today to be sort of a catalyst for building our church. That's what we, you know, see as part of our little sliver of mission here through Build Our Church and the Women's School. So thank you, everybody. Thank you for, you know, joining us here. And um, to leave with a thought of, do you love yourself in an ordered way? Yes. In this moment in history. Mm-hmm. And how can you grow in that self-love for the purpose of loving those around you more? Yes. Thank you. And we shall see you at the next podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear from you. Please write us at info at com. We would love to hear your comments and questions. And to learn more about our work at The Woman's School, please visit our website, thewomanschool.org. Finally, we encourage you to take the wholeness quiz, which you will find on our website, thewomanschool.org. Because as St. Edith Shine taught us, as a woman becomes whole, she becomes a pillar on which others can lean to be made whole. Thank you, ladies. Until next time, let us rise and together rebuild our church.